Hello, this is Les Goldberg, and welcome to The Road Ahead. The Road Ahead podcast is dedicated to the future of the live events business, bringing together industry experts. Hello, production world. This is Les Goldberg on The Road Ahead. Today, I have two amazing guests. I have Nick Farrell. He's the vice president of executive producer for TEK Productions. And I have Megan Cummings with Linder Global. She's the senior vice president of events. Everyone, welcome to the show. Hello, great to be here. Thank you very much. Well, today's show is dedicated to talking about the in-house experience versus bringing your own teams in. And all of us that work in venues around the planet, um, there are in-house teams in many of those venues. And today we're going to kind of explore uh, your thoughts and ideas on how that goes and how they treat you and what the experience is like. So I'm going to start with you, Megan. Megan, would you describe you know, what you expect out of the typical in-house experience, what you've experienced. And, and for this podcast, we're not using any names for any companies. We're just talking about in very general terms, because I'm sure there's good and bad experiences wherever you go. So maybe, Megan, just tell us, what would you expect and, and how does it work with the in-house teams? Yeah, absolutely. We are lucky to work across a lot of different venues um, that have an in-house team, uh, that is there to really help make sure that the event is a super success, uh, but that also the venue is being protected and used in in the best way. And when we go into a venue, our goal is to you know find the experts for that venue. So we, and working with an in-house provider, really rely on them to be knowledgeable about both the space, how to use it, how's it been showcased, ideas of what might look terrific, um, where you know is the sound going to be the best. And then where are those pitfalls, right? This is their venue. They should know troubling areas, areas of, of production where um, if we have some great big, huge idea, it might look great, but it might not sound great or vice versa. So, so for us, it's, it's the knowledge of, of the and understanding of how to utilize their equipment, their labor, and their venue in the right way. Got it. Okay, super. Nick, could you maybe share your experience working with in-house teams and uh, good and bad? Um, I, I mean, my experiences are overall uh, positive working with in-house teams. Uh, we're, um, the nice part about it is that we're both engaged uh, in a partnership to support the end client, right? So uh, everybody comes in on the same page, and that's always the goal. And those are kind of the, uh, that's the level set you do day one when you begin conversations. And, uh, uh, you know, they're in it to uh, please that client to make sure that they're coming back again for more uh, events in the future. And uh, we're in, in, in sort of the same uh, mindset to make sure that the, they have the best experience possible. And the only way to make that happen is real uh, partnership among the teams that are brought together to make that happen. Um, so overall, I mean, uh, uh, positive, uh, you know, uh, results uh, over the years with a, a wide variety of um, internal teams to uh, different properties, venues, hotels, convention centers, et cetera. Um, I find that for the most part, everybody gets it and is looking to do the best they can do, uh, given what they're given. Okay. Well, I, I would think that everyone should have good intentions. And we have, just for the record, we have a few in-house properties as well, convention centers that were in-house uh, for many, many years. So maybe, Megan, you could talk to me about how it works 
why you bring outside companies in and what may be some of the differences of the experience with an outside company versus an in-house company. And I, I can only say that we've worked together on many shows, your company, Linder Global. So, but, <laughs> but not always yeah. at the venues that were in-house. So why do you bring an outside company in versus an internal uh, in-house team? And maybe what are the fundamental differences? Yeah, it, it's a great question. The, um, and as you mentioned, right, we've worked together on a number of projects and events before, and we've built some trust and we have history together. And I think that's where you feel comfortable with an organization that you um, have had all those experiences with. So it's easy. It's like you create your own language. It's like, ooh, remember what we did in this year here? And they say, yes, I, I, Yes, let's do that again in this space. So there's there's just a relationship that's already been built, um, and so you're excited to you know continue that partnership and continue to bring them to other venues. Um, so I, I think the the you know the goal of of bringing an outside vendor in um, is just to kind of continue kind of that 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 base that you already have. Um, but we often work while we bring an outside vendor in. Um, they are working closely a lot of times with either labor that's provided from in-house or equipment that they can utilize. So the hope is that that there are some efficiencies gained also when you're bringing an outside vendor into a venue um, that you can use. You know, how can you leverage some of that expertise that's already there um, and 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 add on to that to provide greater value for the client? Every client deserves great value. I'm not sure you can always get it with the in-house team, but Nick, what are your thoughts on the experiences of why you know you brought outside you know companies in versus just working with the in-house? Usually, for us, it's a um, legacy relationships like the ones uh, that we have with you as a great provider and, and uh, you know providing support for us around the the country and beyond. Um, what also comes with that is a legacy of understanding of how we do things uh, and and how we want things to be done and mm-hmm. where we set the bar. What you know what I mean? So it's it's a matter of uh, there's a lot of learnings over time uh, that just come automatically now when we partner together for an event that we're not sort of reinventing the wheel each time. Every every new venue is going to have a different team or different representatives or, or different types of equipment, things like that. Um, we're fortunate in these partnerships with outside uh, suppliers to uh, uh, just really create great relationships, great depth of knowledge of understanding of how each other works, which again brings that helps to bring efficiencies for the client and consistency to the client overall as we travel around doing similar shows for the same client. I I, I kind of get the idea that after you've worked with someone long enough, it's kind of like a, a some version of a marriage. You kind of get to understand the way they like it, the way that you know their <laughs> expectations, and it becomes easy and 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 predictable. And you can have reasonable expectations that they're going to perform. Versus going to this property or this property, and you might not know what you're going to get, and they might not know how you want it done. And you might get a variety from completely non-skilled or really not competent to very competent. And so you have at least a higher degree of predictability so you can have the best outcome for your clients. I think that probably kind of sums it up. Well said. Absolutely. Okay. So now let me ask the, you know, the 300-pound gorilla question or the 800-pound gorilla question is, so when working within a house, how is versus an out-of-house company, how does price become a factor? Because, you know, I, I don't know that I've heard a lot of people tell me they're able to get good deals or 
you know, or, or the proper negotiations with in-house. And, I, and Megan, why don't you start by sharing your experience? Um, because sometimes I've heard almost the opposite, but maybe what, what is your experience? Yeah, I, it is harder to negotiate um, oftentimes when you're working with the in-house provider, right? You, you don't have as much leverage. Um, and, and you are stuck within a lot of times the equipment that they already have, the labor prices that they have. Um, and, and so oftentimes the budget is, is much higher. Um, so for me, if I'm working with a provider, an audiovisual provider across a number of different events in a year, I've, I've got more buying power, right? There's, there's negotiation that I can do, um, and, and some flexibility with pricing that, that, you know, that provider is able to bring to the table. Um, and you lose that when you go to, Somewhere where you you don't have that legacy relationship, you're not in there all the time, and and you really can be stuck with the pricing that they provide, and they don't really have to work with you on your your budget. Um, I will say we've been lucky enough where oftentimes they will they will offer what they can, um, but in the long run, it's it's it is more expensive to work with with in house. And, and maybe that's because of whatever their commission structure is to the venue. True. And sometimes that add, adds a component of cost. And uh, and we all have, as every AV provider has a certain amount of cost and labor and equipment and running their machine. So, Nick, what are your thoughts on the question? Yeah, about pricing. I, I think it's, it's interesting. I think uh, there are occasions where a client may have been either solicited a bid from that in-house, uh, which we encourage. We, we always say, go out and, and get a competitive bid, absolutely, and, and compare it to ours. Um, what we often run into is that, well, they're, you know, hey, we're getting a great, look what the, you know, what, what they're able to do price-wise here, uh, and which at the surface looks like a great price for the run of the event. Um, what we ultimately find out is that it really is not an apples-to-apples -apples comparison as it relates to the level of equipment, uh, the uh, dedicated labor, uh, that would be associated uh, coming from us, um, and just many aspects of the overall production management that um, they typically won't price in, nor uh, are they, I don't believe, particularly set up for in most cases to provide that full level of support that a client may be used to. Uh, so uh, I think having that um, RFP uh, written in such a way that it is uh, uh, I need, you know, this type of projector, this many lumens, this size screen, uh, dedicated labor. You know what I mean? If you want to do a comparison, that's great, but make sure you're actually getting the comparison before you look to cost uh, out your outside supplier versus your in-house provider. That's so hard, Nick. Actually, just because of that comment, as as someone who's creating those RFPs. It is difficult always for me to know what the lumens should be, what the, you know, the, the specifics to ask, which is why relationships become so important. And those, you know, audiovisual providers that we are using consistently, there's a trust that of, of course they're going to have a backup projector. Of course they're going to have, you know, top notch labor. And I think you're right. When you go into a, a, working with a vendor, you, you don't know. Um, yeah, it's, you get that great price and you're like, yes, this will be wonderful. Um, and you learn the hard way that yeah, they're missing, you know, great equipment, the number of staff that you would expect. No, you can't have one person managing three breakout rooms at any given time. So it's, that is where I think audiovisual companies can help. Just like you said, in, in evaluating those RFPs to make sure that everything that you really need to be successful has, has been included. So, so this is my question to, this will go to Nick first. Nick, is there a higher degree of risk 
working with a, an in-house company versus an out-of-house company because the out-of-house company that you're bringing in obviously has some experience with you. They, you know, they know expectations like you described. And in the in-house company, it's almost like uh, you'll have to see the level of support that comes out. And also, sometimes people in these venues that maybe I'll call them the AV techs might not be able to do the higher skill level positions. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, in, inherently, there's a risk. I mean, if if you're, um, you know, uh, if you're if you're driving on some road through the middle of the country and your car breaks down, uh, and there's a, um, you know, uh, two garages uh, show up on your on your Google Maps, and uh, one is the dealership for who made your car, and then the other one is just a garage that happens to be open that day. Um, you're taking a risk by going into that garage versus going to a skilled known entity supplier that's going to know your car inside and out conceivably. Um, so that's just advice on driving across country if anybody needed that. But the, um, <laughs> the real point there being, uh, with your, um, coming with your, your outside, uh, company, I think it's, it's a matter of, um, Again, back to the trust and the overall response that you're going to be getting from them uh, as it relates to them knowing your system, knowing how you want things done, and a lot of in a lot of occasions, knowing how that end client wants things done. Um, my outside suppliers are, are very familiar with uh, uh, criteria that that my client has for how things need to be done, and and we're you know we're we're in lockstep on that. If you come in to a new venue, new uh, uh, with a with a a provider, an in-house provider that's there to supply services, they'll they'll do their best to give you what they have, but they don't come with that years of knowledge or background uh, to make sure it's right. Yeah. Uh, Megan, your thoughts on this? Yeah. I, I think that the risk for us when we go in and we find a lot of times um, that the AV techs that are assigned to your project, say, it's multi-day, you get, you know, on day one, a set of techs that you're working with, and then day two, you can get a totally different set. So all of the communication, the work that you've done, the setup, any rehearsals, that knowledge is lost from, from day to day. Um, and that can sometimes happen also from during your planning. A lot of that information doesn't get translated to the team that's going to be executing on site. Um, and, and, and that can be tough on site to deal with. It's also, um, the, the team that can be on site in house gets a little stuck sometimes in this is the way we always do it. So you lose that adaptability when, um, you know, a speaker goes rogue or something happens or you're doing a setup that's very different for this group. And they're like, whoa, you guys are really pushing the envelope. And it's it's harder for that in-house kind of tech team to really break out of the mold of what they're used to doing. Um, and so depending on, you know, who's showing up that day for their shift, you either get a group that's really adaptable and is creative, or you could get someone who's, you know, relatively maybe new, or they just are, are have been there forever and, and are, you know, unwilling to kind of go outside the box with you there. So, so let me, let, let me throw this idea out and you tell me if this is a stereotype that is right or wrong. So some people <laughs> say that the in-house are overpriced for whatever they deliver. It doesn't matter where. And, and they don't always deliver to the highest expectations. Would you agree or disagree with that statement? Nick? Um, you know, I'm sure there are instances where that's not the case, right? I mean, the, the, I, I've met a lot of great teams that are, that are doing great work out there. Um, you know what I mean? So it's, it's hard to make a blanket statement uh, like that. Sure. Um, there's, my, there's my politically correct answer. 
<laughs> so, so, but if you were 51, 50, 50, if you were 51%, are you having a 51% better experience that the in-houses are, are not overpriced and they're doing good jobs? Or would 51% be the opposite, that they're overpriced and not doing a great job? Which, which way is it? You can't be you can't you can't be on the line. You have to pick a side. I would say uh, your your initial statement. I'm familiar with. I've heard it, and I've probably said it myself on occasion. So we we have run into that. We have run okay. into that. Absolutely. Um, I just I just am, am careful to say that I've I've met such great teams out there that I wouldn't throw everybody in the same bucket. I completely agree with you, I, Megan. What are your thoughts on that? Do you find do you is that statement wrong or correct or incorrect? What What do you think? I mean, it's definitely based in in truth, which is why it's kind of a catchy statement. Um, and I have absolutely, in the events that we produce, been burned by in-house AV companies before. I think we all have. Um, but I would agree with Nick that that you can go into a venue and be so happily surprised at the team that you have there that that is just tremendous and committed to to great work. Um, that it makes you feel confident in the next go round that the next in-house AV team, you're like, yes, I'm sure this will be amazing also. But I think for the most part, that 51%, you know, it it, it does seem to be uh, less of a successful experience than it would be working with an outside. So, so if, if uh, you know, how, how do your clients, and this is a follow-up question to you, Megan, uh, how do your clients uh, get impacted if, if maybe you get a, a contract where it says they have to use the in-house and you're kind of stuck with that and you don't have any external options. How, how, how's that experience go? Yeah, that could be tough. Um, certainly number one for, for budget. So just from the outset, making sure we're communicating, you know, that we have less power to negotiate, but also number two, the amount of time and effort that we will take on behalf of our client to really work with the in-house team to make sure that we go the the you know extra walkthroughs, meetings, making sure we're meeting those texts that will be on site with us to to really spend some time um, to invest there, so that there are no surprise or minimizing the number of surprises we have on site. Um, but it can be hard for a client sometimes to not have the vendors that they know also and that they've worked with often, and and you know their A two that they're used to having them mic themselves up it, for them also it can it can be a challenge and it's you know sometimes the reason to not use a venue if, if they feel that strongly um so something that we need to be aware of from the outset gotcha nick your thoughts the question is about the having a, a client have signed a contract and you don't have options you're st- you're stuck in this mode and 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 maybe you're not pleased with what you have and you're in this no win situation because you're trying to deliver for your client and you're not getting the level of support that you normally get yeah, I, I would start with the contract. Um, you know, any good lawyer will tell you they've never met a contract that they can't modify. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Nick, you got a lot of good lines today. I'm going. I'm getting my car fixed in the there middle of the garage, and now I got to get a lawyer. It, well, no, but there's a lot of truth to that. The these are negotiable terms, and uh, we let our clients know that so that when they go into the negotiation phase with the parent property. Uh, that they can have things like that crossed out or modified uh, to allow for um, their preferred vendor to support them in that event. Uh, so not everything is ironclad in these in these arrangements. Uh, so that that would be one thing to keep in mind. Um, and then yeah, I think you know. And then there are other aspects that is going to fall on your in-house team: rigging and electrical in most venues. And uh, there's there's a lot of um, you know, safety and building structural engineering components to that, that where some of that makes sense. Um, you know, so you are contractually obligated to, to use them for that. And in those 
situations, you partner with them. And uh, Megan's point about them giving you good intel on what's going on in the ceiling above your stage and things like that, they they come with all that knowledge. Uh, so it makes them a valuable asset in that sense. So, so, so this question is to Megan. Megan, you know, if you're doing a, a high-end show where it's, we'll call it, there's a higher level of production, not just a basic AV show, do you feel that the typical in-house provider can really meet or exceed your expectations? Or is that really more well-suited because it's uh, uh, any higher-end production to bring an outside or a resource in to, to make sure you execute, especially when these are larger budget shows? Yeah, I, I think 100% the in-house has some limitations with the equipment they have access to, with the technicians that they're able to bring in. Um, and yeah, it, you know, the basic packages for, you know, audiovisual, that might make sense for in-house. But once you start talking higher-end production and really creative, uh, you know, cutting-edge technology, they just don't have the resources to, to, to pull that off. And th- that absolutely we would not rely on the in-house tech team for at all. Nick, your thoughts? Yeah, agreed. It's it's that level of uh, customization and flexibility around your design that an outside provider is able to bring uh, with the extensive knowledge around those packages to help you design mm-hmm. the right show, uh, and especially at, at the higher end. Well, you know, as uh, we go to some venues, depending upon what geographic location, there's a lot of rules when you sign contracts or clients have them, and some venues don't let other people in. Uh, others let them in with certain limitations. Uh, some venues are completely open. It just depends where you're going. Um, I would suggest that uh, you all, between the two companies, uh, TK and Linder, you're going to be doing hundreds of events uh, in the next 12 months, and you're going to have experiences in both dealing with in-house and working with companies like us out of house and, and we're in-house in some venues. And, and I guess there's some unique challenges. If there was some advice that you could give Megan to anyone who was going to do a show, and, and, and I'm going to preface this, this show has mission critical, cannot fail, most important people in the world. It seems like I only do shows with the most important people in the world in it because there are no unimportant people. What advice would you give to someone when they were planning this event uh, as to whether to go down the out of house, you know, bring someone in or the in-house, how, what approaches or what questions would you ask, uh, you know, for them to kind of noodle on to make sure they get the outcome they need? Yeah. I, I think number one is ask as many questions as you can of the in-house, ask for examples, ask to show up at an event. Like if you're really considering um, using an in-house provider for such a um, an event that has all those mission critical moments, um, you really want to be super confident that they are the team that, that can, can pull that off. Um, and I think if, you know, the, the, the great point that Nick brought up when creating an RFP, be as detailed as you can about your expectations, um, about the type of equipment or the type of experience you are hoping for, not just the audience to have, but all of the speakers, the stage participants, everyone that's going to come in contact with that audiovisual team. It's, it's to really lay out the vision um, and and to to confirm with either an outside vendor or inside, like who can really pull this off in, in the best way with the budget that you have, the time constraints you have, and and the venue specs that you have. So you have to be knowledgeable and and really push to to get the right answers. So so Nick, sophisticated production has to go right. Um, one of your best clients, do you do you work through the in-house or you bring a, an outside company like ours or how do, how do you approach that? 
I, I go with what I can trust and, and what my gut tells me. And, and, you know, the, the people that I, um, that I go into these types of projects with and have a track record with are the ones that are, I'm going to fight to bring with me on each of my programs. Uh, so we're, we're fortunate to have fantastic relationships, uh, with, you know, uh, from the, um, event labor and technician side, just, you know, some of the best in the business. I, I wouldn't imagine going on show site without them, uh, you know, and using an onsite su- support in that situation. Well, you know, as, uh, as the year progresses and we're, uh, and we're done with all these, uh, hopefully these COVID things, we get to go out and do what we love to do and make pretty shows and make our clients happy. And uh, I think both of you added some real interesting uh, thoughts today on on the the pluses and the minuses on working on on different paths. And uh, I want to appreciate Megan and Nick for joining us today. And uh, my theory is uh, if it's highly sophisticated, you're probably bringing someone. If it's basic AV, you might be using the in-house. That's a general rule. And I'm sure there are exceptions. And this is Les Goldberg and The Road Ahead. Everybody, great job. Thank you so much for joining. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, Nick. Thanks, Megan.